Welcome back. I'm Ben Shaw, and this is Out the Gate, a podcast about sailing and adventure on and around San Francisco. This week, I'm talking to a guy who's only recently gotten into sailing. During these crazy times of COVID, some people have moved, lots of people have gotten dogs, and others, like Brooks Watson, learned to sail. Not only did Brooks start sailing, he's gotten very involved in the sailing community to the point where he's launched a couple of sailing-related ventures. The first is a sailing club on Clubhouse. You may have heard of it, the red-hot audio-only social media platform. Don't worry if you have no idea what it is. Brooks does a good job of explaining it and sharing why it's an exciting place for sharing sailing stories, information, and more. He's also started up an organization that'll coordinate with sailors all over the world to give away solar-powered lights to the energy impoverished, those without electricity. He's in the midst of organizing a trip to St. Vincent, where the recent volcanic explosion that I'm sure you've heard about has led not only to devastation because of ash covering everything, but power outages. Before we get into it, my six-year-old daughter, Nora, made me promise that I'd intro the interview by saying, let's sail into this episode. Well, welcome, Brooks. Thank you so much for joining. I'm excited to have this conversation. You and I have been chatting for a while. Let me first just have you introduce yourself. Sure. It's my pleasure to be here. It's really a uh, it's really a kind of a gift right now uh, to be able to talk about what's going on in the world. And uh, so my name is Brooks Watson. I am uh, located in Chicago. I have uh, a career. I've been a career firefighter, you know, so that's part of it's interesting because that's that becomes part of your identity. Mm-hmm. You know, as, as you know, from a very young age, you know, I want to be a firefighter and then you're a firefighter and then it becomes, you know, it informs you know, most things in your life. I'm coming to the end of a career and I've, I've known this for a while. So one of the things that comes up quite often actually is, because yeah, I'm not, I don't consider myself a, an adrenaline junkie, but I have to admit to a certain extent that there's, you know, I, I like to get my blood flowing. And I think, <laughs> I, think I, I kind of don't, I don't own that adrenaline aspect of my personality because it's just my job, right? It's just, it's just what I do. I was told uh, not so long ago that uh, my, my version of reality is skewed, you know, which everybody's is, but they said, you know, it's really skewed around danger and energy and all that stuff. And I, and uh, so there's this part of me that I've known I've had to, I'm going to have to reconcile as I leave this job. Even before the pandemic, I was going through some, uh, a lot of personal stuff, which really was put me in this frame of mind, not a great one, but it was definitely a, a space to kind of consider, all right, what, what am I going to do next? Or what am I going to do now? And then the pandemic hit. And now I'm really in a frame of mind to say, okay, everything's, all of my resistance to anything is, is gone and everything's back on the table. In that way, I knew, okay, you're at the right place at the right time. There's no rush. But the things that you thought were limiting about your situation that you're, you're walking into now could be the key to everything that you really haven't considered before. 
one of the things that led into that sort of space before COVID was the ending of a relationship. In that relationship, she'd get seasick. She'd get motion sickness. She'd get, mm-hmm. so a lot of the, the choices that I made about, you know, going place and doing things was limited because of the nature of the relationship. It's just a compromise you make in a relationship. Let's, let's back up just a second. So, so her getting seasick implies that the two of you were on, were on boats together. When did you get into boating and sailing yeah. in particular? So anytime we would travel, she, she would get sick. So where did I start? So I grew up on the water. So I grew up on Long Island, on the canal system on Long Island, mm-hmm. and just being exposed to the water all the time and just not quite understanding the, the gift that that was at the time. But um, I was, uh, it was all power boating. It was fishing. I had a boat waxing business. I had uh, a crabbing business. I had, I had a little entrepreneur, you know? So a lot DNA. of time on the water. A lot of time, but never sailed, hmm. never sailed. And I can't tell you why, but just we weren't, we weren't around uh, sailboaters. So I went through my life and I've had that experience, but I never really sailed outside, maybe the Boy Scouts or something like that. Along the way, I've been on a, a couple sailboats, but as mostly as a passenger. So coming into this, this uh, sort of this life event, those things were, were kind of off the plate for me. Being at sea this past year gave me you know, an opportunity. When you say off the plate, were they even in your mind? Well, certainly I was aware of it, but I didn't, I hadn't thought about myself in that way uh-huh. yet. I certainly ha- was drawn to the sea. I've, I'm drawn to sunrises and sunsets and the meeting of those with the water. So in my mind, I had all these vision boards about what, you know, what was going to happen. And one of those is coming home to this beautiful place where I can see the sunrises and the sunset and it's on the water. What I ultimately was describing was a sailboat, but I didn't understand it at the time. And that's kind of the, that's kind of the, the beauty of manifestation is sort of you put out, you know, what you want and then it, whatever comes back, comes back. And, you know, I put that out, I don't know, probably a year before the pandemic, it's still on my wall. So I really did have this draw and, and attraction to the sun and, and the water, but I had that, I'll call it voluntary barrier. Like that was, like I say, off the, off the table, at least as far as it, you know, traveling or being on the water, even, even a houseboat coming into this year, I was like, oh, okay, I could be, I could be on a houseboat. I'd love that. I just to be able to wake up to the water. And so I started watching the, uh, all these little tiny living channels, you know, I was thinking, oh yeah, this is perfect. Cause I'm already at that point in life, I'm already decluttering everything. I'm like, I'm going to have nothing. And I just, you know, you just, you realize how much you do have when you start to do that process. But I was like, oh, this is great. I, I don't know if it's going to be a van. I don't know if it's going to be a, a, a permanent structure, but it's going to be a yurt or a geodesic dome. Like, I'm just, I'm like, oh, this is what I want. I want less. I want to be in nature. So I started watching these channels and, you know, they just fed me on YouTube. They fed me the Delo special. It's the half an hour version. And I just sat there. I was like, everything clicked. I was just looking at a guy who a different background as far as, you know, our job, but we were at this point in life where he, he made a decision, you know, that he's going to do something completely different. 
and I watched that storyline and it, it's a very attractive storyline. I mean, it's sure with it's, very attractive I, people. Yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's, it's not hard to sell people, but yeah. it opened my eyes. And that's when everything started flooding in like, Oh my God. And so what happened for me then to go back to the beginning was I looked at sailing as, uh, as the perfect next chapter in my life to replace that, that feeling I get about firefighting. Mm. And so I, I was going, so to, to kind of expand on that, you know, firefighting is, it's all about language and jargon, right? Mm-hmm. You have to, you have to know the language. There's a, there's a name for everything. Yeah. Well, in sailing, there's a name for everything. Sure is. There's <laughs> the endless and everybody will tell you too. And I was just explaining to one of the, the, the younger firefighters yesterday, I, we were in this, uh, or two days ago, we were in this restaurant. There was a small something happening, a, uh, you know, fumes, not really a fire, but I saw this, this ex- extinguisher mm-hmm. and I, and you know, they, they've been confusing hand pump with hand can, right? Mm-hmm. I, I pull up, I go, this is a hand can. In, unless we have one of these in the rig, I never want to hear it called a hand can. We have hand pumps and like everybody's laughing because they know it's like the jargon is important to me because yeah. in the heat of the moment, the jargon's got to be right. So I went to go and, you know, to step on a boat and said, no, these are lines. These aren't ropes, you know, th- that, that whole thing connected. Okay. So it's about jargon. It's about tradition, right? I mean, it's just rooted. I mean, certainly sailing's rooted a much longer tradition than firefighting, yeah. but and that brings are. up so many questions to me about, <laughs> about what what conveys in terms of, I mean, you guys must have all kinds of not only jargon, but um, procedures, safety procedures, uh, situational awareness procedures uh, that could mm-hmm. be readily converted and used in sailing. Absolutely. And, you know, jump. So my, my entry I was able to join a club here in Chicago, Third Coast Cruising, within, I mean, there's a story that got me to that point. But once we started sailing, uh, I started sailing every single day in 2020 that I could, that I wasn't at the firehouse. I definitely brought my own brand of, of sailing. You know, I'm just part of the crew. Because I come from a paramilitary background, you're going to get nothing but compliance from me. You know, the skippers get nothing but compliance. But I knew that you know I had a certain perspective that I was going to be able to share, and that is coming from the place of what happens when things go wrong. Yeah. Not not this idea that you know most of the time everything's going to be okay, and, and yeah, we'll have a little trouble here or there. But if we do our procedures, we'll be fine. And and really bringing that the whole philosophy of you 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 practice like you play. My whole philosophy is around being danger ready. You know, the things that I, that I end up doing are dangerous if they're not accounted for. And so the more that more boxes we can check and the more that we can, you know, drill as if it's real, you know, example of that would be a man overboard that's not done, you know, in calm waters. And it's not, you throw in the, you throw in the uh, life vest over and you pick it up and you're like, we know what we're doing, Right. We don't need to be in force 10 <laughs> to, to have a drill, but we need to understand that that's one part of a man overboard procedure. The big question that usually gets left out is like, how are we getting them back on board? They're unconscious. And I know what it is to carry dead weight. You know, I know what it is to try to bring somebody up vertically. So I do, I do bring a lot 
of mindset, but also actual procedures to mm-hmm. the boat, which brings up knots. Like knots are a huge part of the fire service. So there's another you know, overlap. Yeah. When you first yep. got on a boat, so you had, you'd, you'd seen the Delos video and it, and it clicked for you and you thought, wow, okay, here's something that brings together, obviously the small living, the being in nature and this access to sunsets and sunrises. I'm curious if it was all excitement, was there any letdown of, oh, this isn't what I had daydreamed it to be? No, the, the, the letdown or the, the regret was that I hadn't, I'm, I'm, I'm here on Lake Michigan for the last 25 years and uh-huh. I've done like five days of sailing, maybe. Uh-huh. That was the regret, regret that you're on this immense body of water that it's just been waiting for you and you didn't see it. You didn't see it. Like that was the <laughs> I didn't get out here sooner. <laughs> yeah, I, exactly. And it's like, I'm a mile and a half away from like this incredible sailing community. So once I realized that too, it was like, I was driven. I'm like, I have to get to see now. That was probably March last year, maybe the big, probably the beginning of April and everything was shut down obviously. And uh, we're, here in the city, we have um, all of the harbors are run by the city. So if the city says they're closed, they're closed. And that was this, that was true for most of the places on the lake. And I started diving into YouTube, anything I could about learning about sailing. I had a place in Michigan at the time and I would, I was up, up there and going through the yards, you know, just <laughs> looking through the, the chain link fence and yeah. looking at different hull shapes and trying to understand what was certain manufacturers and, and I could just anything I could to get close to a boat or close to water. And there was really nothing. There was no way to get on the water except for living vicariously through YouTube. And through Delos, I found other channels. I made my way to, um, I don't, I don't remember the exact chronology, but uh, I, I either made it to John Kretschmer first or through Millennial Falcon where they were interviewing John. Uh-huh. And I got to his books. And so I started, uh, I picked up Sailing a Serious Ocean. And it was, oh, what a great book. Uh, you know, it, unbelievable. And I'm going through it again, because the first time was drinking from a fire hose, because I was, you don't need to be a sailor to understand like how good that is, that writing. Uh, but I, everything, like probably 75% of the jargon went over my head because I just didn't understand what he was talking about. Yeah, that's what's so unique about John is that he is a fantastic writer and has all the sailing information. Often you find books that are great sailing information or good writing, but he combines the two so well, especially in that book. Yeah, and and it only encouraged me because what he talks about is, you know, I'll paraphrase, but he says, if you're not safe, you're not a sailor. And I'm just like, he's just hitting it so hard because that's what I want. I want to bridge the gap. I don't want to leave a lifetime of experience and learning and say, okay, I'm starting something new. And I think what drove me was just how synergistic it was, how how timely, how serendipitous the whole thing was becoming that, you know, my life takes a certain turn at the exact right moment so that I can hear this message and, and be in the right place to just go in, go all in. I, I listened to that book, which I recommend, and uh, I start following them and I start 
you know, finding, you know, where else, what does this guy look like, you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, so I, maybe that's how I got to Millennial Falcon. And he had uh, on Instagram, I follow him on Instagram, followed me back right away. And I saw that they had a webinar coming up and I was like, oh my God, I can actually talk to sailors. And it turns out it was, there were four webinars and one was on safety at sea, which is my jam. So as a product of attending the webinar, you could at attend his captain's hour. And that was actually going to be like a Zoom meeting where you could actually talk to him and other other people and you could connect. And I, I, I cannot tell you how much I needed that in that moment was to be able to talk to other sailors. No sailboats in the room, just sailors. It happened to fall on the day that I was at work. So I'm at the firehouse and I'm watching and we get a, you know, I'm, I'm waiting for my moment to come to jump in and say, Hey, if anybody's in Chicago and they have a boat or close to Chicago, I'll do anything to get on a boat. And, uh, we get a fire rod and I'm like, Oh my God. Oh no. <laughs> so I'm like, Oh shit. So I, I jump on the, uh, we jump on the rig and we go to, it turns out it's a barbecue fire or something. So I'm like, put that thing out, get the hand pump on that, you know? <laughs> and and we and on the way back, I pop out my phone because I had uh, Zoom was on my laptop, and yeah. I'm listening as we're responding back. And I get back just in time, and they're about to wrap it up. This guy pops in late, and John says, "Hey, it's Brad from Chicago." And Brad's like, "Hey, John, what's up?" And John says, "Hey, you're you're late. Like we're ending it." He goes, "No, I you know I signed on at the wrong time," and I just jumped in. I'm like, "John, I am so sorry." But Brad, I'm from Chicago. I'm dying to get on a boat. I'll wax your boat, whatever you need fixed. Like I, and he said, "Hey man, here's my number. Call me." And then two days later, we were sailing. And oh, that's fantastic! I was sailing with a guy that sails with the same mindset, perspective as John. That's how he's learned as well. And I, and I was thinking to myself, "Oh my God, my first sail was sort of set up on a John Kretschmer webinar." I love that story because. Sailing is, and especially cruising, is all about the community. It's amazing the connections that you make and that you make over and over again and people you run into. It's really, as you have quickly found out, I think, is a small, close-knit community. And it's ironic that you found that through this John Kretschmer webinar, Captain's Hour event, because I think it was just last week, I hopped on to an event that you helped create in which John Kretschmer was the special guest on Clubhouse. You have not only joined this community, you've started creating a community for those who don't know what Clubhouse is because it's new. What is Clubhouse? You introduced me to it. Clubhouse is an all audio platform where you sign on, there's a stage and there's an audience. The only thing you see are people's icons and you talk to one another. It seems simple, but there's just something so powerful about this particular experience because there's, there's no texting, there's no messaging. In the app, when you're on the app, the only thing you can do is talk to people. That's exactly what we all needed. What's funny, you know, for me, I just immediately started finding that I was not on other social networks. Any scrolling, any incessant, like habitual scrolling of any stopped, completely stopped because I was having authentic conversations mm -hmm. with people. 
for me that <laughs> it's so so funny how things happen. So I'll get into Clubhouse in a second, but you know, by the end of last year, I was sailing nearly every day and I was provisional skippering at the end, at the end of October. And, you know, in Chicago, October, cold, everybody's excited about the weather. It's, you know, we're not going out until it's dark. And so I was having this really like an incredible year considering how it had started out. Yeah. And I was, I was skippering the last day of the season, which was October 30, 30th. The next day I went to work and I got COVID. I got symptomatic. Then, then we had to deal with the whole thing. Like, did you expose it? And it turns out the only other guy that had it was his dad was a fireman as well. And his dad had it. So no one on the boat got COVID from me, thankfully, <laughs> but it, I had all these plans because now I was not only going to sail in Chicago, I was going to go to St. Vincent and the Grenadines. I had plans to go down there and get my day skipper. I had plans to uh, do a passage from St. Lucia to St. Thomas you know, in a friend's cat, I had all these plans and then they all just came crashing down oh. and kept on crashing because COVID for me, it went for like seven weeks. And so you seven sort weeks. of, wow. yeah, yeah. So it plays, it plays on you, your psyche and you're like, is this ever going to go away? Are these things, I have plans. I'm going to go around the world. I got, and, and how sick did you, did you get? And initially, you know, it, it, it hit me um, pretty hard and pretty fast in the first day or two. Mm -hmm. And then the next two weeks, pretty much a lot of coughing, a lot of body aches. There were other symptoms I can't even think of right now, but I sort of came through that, went back to work, and then I shouldn't have gone back to work because it, it just all fired off again. So it started to be chest pains, uh, respiratory issues, indigestion issues, and like, and they eventually went away when, when I rested, you know, and I really needed to take a lot of rest, but yeah. it, it plays with you. At the end of those seven weeks, I was supposed to go back to work and I was sitting in the fire department medical uh, section already excited because one thing I realized at that point was, you know, sitting around without a purpose is not really my. That's, that's, you don't seem not, like the kind of guy who just <laughs> to sit around twiddling your thumbs. It was not great, but I was excited. I was about to go back and uh, a friend I see on Facebook, a friend says, oh my God, Clubhouse, it's amazing. You got to get on it. It's invite only. And uh, and I go, all right, I don't even know what he's talking about, but I'll sign up because I really, I like this guy. So I sign up. I'm like, not quite sure what it is. And I go into the, the doctor's office and they're like, well, we need an EKG. Why do you need an EKG? Well, you had an EKG, you know, five weeks ago and we need another one. All right, let me go get one right now. And they said, well, no, come back in three weeks. I, I it like, like that was the, like the last straw because <laughs> mm -hmm. I just wanted to get back to my life. Some people might not want to go back to work, but I really did want to go back to work. Something switched for me in the next 10 minutes. I was like, okay, well, you're not getting what you want. So why don't you just start being open to what's possible? Go home and reset. I went home and someone had bumped me into the head of the line in Clubhouse. And so I jumped in and I, and I started searching sailing. And there was nothing about sailing. There were a couple people you could search back then you could search, you know, sort of keywords and some things would come up. And, and so I found sailors. I jumped on in a room with a, a, a woman that I just knew from her profile and cause she was a sailor in Mexico. We talked for 45 minutes, you know, you're just staring at each other's profile pic and you're like looking, reading the profile. And we talked about sailing and she's with her family on a warm cat that they built 
and they're in La Paz, Mexico. And we were just talking sailing. And I said, this is unbelievable. Like, this is exactly what I need. I started finding different sailors. Within a week, I think I'd collected 10. You know, there were millions of people on, on Clubhouse at that point, but not many sailors or people that identified it sail- as sailors. I said, all right, well, let me see if I can start a club. And then Clubhouse is based on rooms. You know, you go into different rooms and you you talk with people, but you can also have those rooms be part of a club. And at that point it was, you know, you got to fill out a form and, and wait. And the rumor was it would take months and months and months. And you didn't know if anybody else had created that club or not. Uh, but within a week they approved the club and I was like, Oh, okay, great. All right. Who do I know that can get into this club? And it's iPhone only it's invite only. So I'm sending my one invite, my two invites, to different people and I sent one to you. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden it was sort of, uh, you know, in, a, in entrepreneurial terms, there's a thing called hockey stick where things like just spike and it spiked just as I started that club, tens and 20 and hundreds of people started coming in from all over the world. And I'm just like shocked. In the meantime, I'm we're having conversations, you know, I, we're, we're, we're creating rooms about, mostly just sitting around telling stories. We had sea stories. I remember some of those first conversations. I, I joined a group with you and I think we had, oh geez, under a dozen people, but it was, you know, it was a, it was a great conversation. It was a nice conversation, a small group of people that the woman on the warm cat was was there and some other people. And, and then I think I got busy and wasn't able to log on for a week or so. And I come back and you're hosting groups with, you know, a thousand people in the club has, you know, I, it was just this explosion. Like you said, it's incredible. And then, and now you're hosting with, with John Kretschmer, you had Andy Shell on, you had, you know, you, you've gotten these, these fantastic people who are, are really renowned and, and, and have a lot of great information to share. Not that everybody's voice isn't, isn't worth something in the club. That's the wonderful thing about it. It's like, it's just like this radio show that everybody is invited to, to share their point of view on. So yeah, talk and, about it now. So what, what are you doing? You know, the club is up to something like 6,800 people. And and what's nice though, is that, you know, it's, it's a global club. There are people from the club on clubhouse any time of the day, people come from all over the world with all these incredible backgrounds and experience. And they come up to the stage and they're absolutely qualified to be there. They absolutely fit in no matter what their situation is, because we all share this passion to be at sea. And it's just smart. Yeah, your only qualification needed is wanting to be in this conversation. Exactly. And it it's not even that you we have people in the club that can't wait to get to the water. They have they had the same experience that I did. I call them COVID sailors, you know, or couch sailors or whatever, but they are dying to get to see this season. And we've been able to connect people with other sailors in well, real life. Well, that's why I wanted, to, one of the reasons I wanted to highlight this, because mm-hmm. yes, this podcast is about sailing in San Francisco in the Bay Area. You're in Chicago, but you are connecting. I personally have been able to connect with other Bay Area sailors through Clubhouse. And if people who are listening wanted to, to join in, how do they go about that? Well, hopefully. Um, Clubhouse will be going to Android uh, sometime soon, but I have dozens and dozens of invites. So if <laughs> if anybody needs an invite, they can just email admin at 
sailingclubhouse.com and I'll get, I'll, we'll figure it out. And you need to, you need to have an iPhone. It needs to be fairly new. I've had some friends with iPhone sixes where it didn't work. Okay. <laughs> so something, something new, but we can definitely get you on. What are some exciting things you're looking forward to on that? Well, the f- future of clubhouse, the sailing club and clubhouse is to just keep the conversations going and expand how and where we have the conversations. But just to give you some ideas of what we've we've talked about, we've had discussions on, you know, wooden boats. Uh, we've had discussions on a sailing with pets. <laughs> we've had discussion, you know, with uh, 12 volt uh, lithium batteries. We've had discussions about passage making, circumnavigation. We have a whole race series with Nick Douglas. Um, every, it's basically cruisers and racers. And so we've had every conversation we've had during the Vendee, we had, uh, that was early on, we had Boris Herman's team was, was in the room with us, you know, on stage kind of talking about uh, his, his journey. While he was at sea, they were taking screenshots. Otto, one of his sponsors was taking screenshots and sending it to Boris while he was on the ocean, you know, <laughs> and, and Boris is like, is hitting us back. And, uh, uh, and it's just, it was unbelievable. And we had, so we had a whole series of, during the product cup, we had live rooms during the product cup, during America's cup. We're doing that for sale GP. We, we talk about everything, everything that you could, you could imagine on sailing, provisioning, sustainability, sailing in different locations. We had sailing in Maine, sailing in Turkey. We've had hundreds of rooms. The most challenging thing for me is just finding the time to go on and and chat because what's nice about it is that you are present, like you mentioned before. So it's not something that you scroll through. I I find that if I'm going to join, I want to be listening to the conversation and contributing and actually being part of it. So it's uh, it's that actually being there. It's very cool. Yeah. And it brings up one huge part of the clubhouse is that it's live. And yeah. it's not recorded, at least yet. And a part of part of the magic of it not being recorded is exactly what you just said. You have to show up because people know that they're not going to be able to hear it anywhere else, anytime else. It's not it's not like a podcast. In fact, I, I told somebody I was doing this today and she's like, hey, can I sign on? Like, where can I where can I listen? <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, no, it's a podcast. It's like and uh and she's like, oh, right, right, right. And we were just laughing. Well, it's you're become, giving me an idea here, Brooks. Maybe I yeah. should do an out the gate live podcast. And I've been, do, I've been waiting for it. <laughs> I've been waiting for it. So that's something that evolved too, is a lot of the, the YouTubers, they started joining the club too. And so we've been, we've been interviewing the people that were sort of there for me and there for a lot of us 12 months ago. And it's been this really sort of sometimes bizarre, sometimes baffling, but massively like grateful experience to be able to talk to the people that were integral in my quick evolution into sailing. Last week, I'm interviewing John Kretschmer. I mean, this is only eight or nine months after I'm hitting the water for the first time, you know, on a sailboat. Because of him, now I'm interviewing him. And we're having this, we're having this incredible conversation I think that goes back to the point I was making before about how small this community is, but also how giving this community is. Social media certainly facilitates the connections, 
but I find that anybody can jump into this sailing community and quickly have conversations, have relationships with, with people who will be happy to share knowledge, share information, share experiences. Yeah, absolutely. And it, there's, it's funny because in that room, my mom popped on stage to share the core experience of being a sailor. And she's talking to John. She goes, I just want to share, you know, the feeling I had when we left the harbor under power, we threw up the sails and we turned off that engine. And that piece that kind of washes over you, like everybody's had that experience that's gone sailing. Oh and man, I'm sorry. I missed that. I signed into that, that talk <laughs> late. I missed your mom. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it was, it, was, it was so great because she had trouble like with the, the mute button or something. And, and John's like, ah, oh, we're, we're old school. Yeah. <laughs> now, Brooks, Clubhouse isn't the only way that you've jumped in with both feet in terms of getting involved in the community aspect of sailing. When you first reached out to me, we talked a lot about something called Watts on Water. What is that? So go back to December 23rd of uh, 2020, the day that I started Clubhouse uh, was also the day that I committed to launching a project called Watts on Water, which is uh, kind of an incubator project of a, a larger NGO called Watts of Love. And uh, Watts of Love is an organization that's created uh, these powerful, robust, personal solar powered lights. And they go to the poorest and most remote places on the planet. And they give people light for the first time. A billion people every day are existing without powered light. They use kerosene and not, not like a kerosene lamp that you would see at REI. It's, you know, a wick and a, and a bottle and some kerosene, or they'll use uh, candles or if maybe if they're lucky, they have some batteries and a flashlight. But, and I um, think people don't often realize the ramifications of that. The pollution of that's horrible. So it leads to lung disease, but there's also burning aspects. It means that children can't study after dark because they don't have enough light. So it impacts education. Yeah, it's critical. It's critical because it's the, it's the sort of the, the byproduct of a bad solution and it keeps people in poverty you know, the, the, exactly the burns and your home burns down. And, uh, and then also there's the expense of all of that. People are living in poverty, but they have to pay for these traditional fuels. And then even sometimes they have to pay, they might have a little cell phone too, that needs to be charged. So they have to pay for that. With these lights, they eliminate all of those problems. We have uh, three different type of, types of lights. The, the main one that, that we deal with Watts on Water is it's about three inches by three inches. It's a solar panel on one side. Uh, light on the other side. It has four modes. It takes about six or seven hours to charge fully in the sun. It's very, very powerful. So its brightest mode is 275 lumens, which is very, very bright. You know, if people are thinking, oh, I, I, I know some like personal solar powered lights that I've seen on the boat maybe before. This is much beefier as, in, as far as its construction is concerned. But 275 lumen when it's when it's at its brightest mode. And then at its lowest mode, it goes for 120 hours. Mm. So these things are, uh, they're purpose built and they, they transform lives. Uh, like in the moment, it's wild to watch it. You know, I was with, uh, I was on a mission in uh, Nepal. I was on a mission in uh, Guatemala uh, in the furthest reaches 
of both of those places. And um, people's lives change in the moment because they realize, okay, now I have something that's reliable, but also they have the ability to take that money and now start investing or saving. So I had that experience prior to 2020. And I was watching, I was watching a YouTube channel. They were on some deserted island, you know, and they were about to go in and these kids came out with a little uh, rowboat and they had boils all over their, their backs so that the cruisers started to treat them. And they, they had this conversation and they said, well, we need to do more. And so they brought the first aid kit on the rib and they went in and they started treating people. And certainly you're going to, you're going to build friendships that way. Mm-hmm. And, and then they went on the, you know, the kite surfing and the drone and the whole deal. But yeah. I was, I, in that moment, I was thinking, you know, about purpose and I'm thinking, well, what can I do? Cause I have a firefighting background. I, I ran an NGO back in the late nineties, early two thousands. We did international fire rescue training, war torn developing countries. And, and I knew, okay, I have the chops to, to do something like this, but what is it going to be? And I thought back to the lights and I said, wow, wouldn't it be great if I could have a boat and fill up the belly with these solar powered lights and travel around the world to the most remote places and, and give people light. So I had pitched Nancy, who is the, uh, the founder of Watts of Love, a couple of weeks earlier. I said, I'm just thinking about this. And this is in the, the, the seven-week COVID experience. And she threw back immediately a fully formed idea. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, I, I, just, I just wanted to talk to you about it. You know, like, let me think about it. When I came back from that, being told I'm, I'm not going back to work, that same day, you know, I had applied for Clubhouse. I called her again and I said, I'm going to do it. I don't know what it's going to look like immediately, but in my head, I had, I had a plan of action. No longer was it going to be my boat. It was, there were just thousands of cruisers out there already in the places where people need help. And I said, I'm just going to tap into those people and, and who better to deliver the message and deliver the lights than people that absolutely understand not only solar, like the mechanics of solar, but understand what it means to be off the grid without power. Cruisers, we know the sun, we know the wind, we know the power of the seas, and we're able to harness that. So to be able to task people who are already predisposed to helping people. Not only are they predisposed in knowing the elements and the power of solar, but they're predisposed to wanting to connect I think most cruisers are at least with others around the world, right? Finding a way to have that connection is one of the most amazing things about cruising, going somewhere remote and, and, and building a connection, an authentic connection. Rapport. Yeah. 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 So this is, this was the idea on December 23rd and then clubhouse happens and I'm sort of standing like outside of myself a little bit, I'm thinking, okay, well, let's just hold off on the watts on water, like taking action and just observe what happens here because it's, it's feeling very natural. So just don't, just keep on working, but sort of stay out of the way at the same time. And it occurred to me very quickly that when I was going to officially launch watts on water, it was, it was going to be through Sailing Club. It was going to be through this incredible network of people that have, uh, are just so generous. And now I have... Like my, my closest friends that I speak with every day, most of them I've never met. I'm starting to meet them. But I mean, we have 
really important, intimate, sometimes frivolous conversations across the board, but they're sailors and I just never met them. What I do know is that they have an incredible capacity to, um, to give. And so I was witnessing this and I put on my calendar back in uh, the end of last year, you know, when our first mission would be. They told me, I listen, you got 500 lights. If you can fund 500 lights, you've got them for 2021 because that's all we've got. Right now they're in Malawi. They've d- distributed 65,000 lights in 60 different countries. It's just an incredibly powerful, effective, successful organization. And Nancy was like, this is, I love this idea because we get to go even farther. And when the land stops, we just keep going. She said, we have 500. So I put it on the calendar for May, you know, not really knowing where we were going to go, but the plan was it's going to happen. So I ended up getting finally to the Caribbean and I was able to get my uh, Yacht Master Coastal through uh, RYA. Congratulations. Uh, thank you. That was hugely <laughs> stressful and I was massively grateful to get through that. I'm down there, I come back and I figure, all right, let me just relax. We're going to have some good clubhouse rooms and, you know, get ready for the season. And then St. Vincent happens 10, 15 days ago, St. Vincent, the, um, the volcano on St. Vincent in St. Vincent and the Grenadines explodes. You've probably seen like pictures of this, the, the, the plume, the like massive explosion of ash. Yeah. Um, and so what happens is that ash falls all over and it's been falling. Uh, we've had, we had eruption about two days ago. So I think it's probably erupted like eight or 10 times. What's interesting about this particular volcano is that it's not photogenic. When it's not exploding, it's it's pretty beautiful mountain, but it's not the red and orange lava that we're used to seeing. So right, right, right now, if you Google volcano, you probably get Iceland, which is erupting. It's not a threat to anybody. It's but funny because be- I was showing my daughter's pictures of it, having been there and saying, you know, there's this, this catastrophe that's happening. And they said, well, where's the lava? Right. And, and so there's not a lot of media attention either. You know, you have to go there and actually find the stories. But what is interesting about it is that the, the ash, it's not like, you know, ash from a forest fire. It's, uh, it's conductive. It's like crystalline. When it lands on electrical, electrical wires or systems, it shorts them out. Not only are the systems buried, the electrical grid is, is down in uh, many places, usually the, the poorest places. It affects the, the water systems. It affects everything. When that happened, I called Nancy and I said, I don't know if this, if, if this is it or not. Is this, the, is this the one we'd like go for? And she said, well, you know, Watts, Watts of Love was founded during a, a natural disaster in the Philippines. And she said, this is probably the time. And the way that you're going to know is just start doing things and see what happens. I said, all right, good advice. And so I just started doing some research and found out pretty clearly, pretty quickly that they need our lights. And they're not, not only gonna, they're going to need our lights now, is that they're going to need them as when the next disaster happens, because that's how it happens. Typically, is it's this domino effect of a natural disaster causing man-made disasters, causing all sorts of problems. And of course, hurricane season's coming. So I decided in that first six hours, okay, this is what we're going to do. We're going to take these 500 lights, we're going to get them funded, and we're going to go. There's a whole bunch of logistics that need to be worked out about how that's going to happen. But I decided I need to reach out to people who are already looking to try to help. And so I went, boom, I went to the, uh, I knew I was going to go to the sailing club. 
for mm-hmm. sure. I, I knew I was going to do that. But I, I went to the Instagram, you know, my Instagram account, and I looked at stories and see who was who was talking about it, because very few people were talking about it. Immediately, I saw Red Seas. And Red Seas is, uh, they're, a, they're, a cruise, they're a cruising couple, Scottish cruising couple, and they're in St. Martin. They were talking about it. All their stories were pushing out just different resources for the people on the ground and also kind of spreading information about what was actually happening. They're in our club. I messaged him. I said, hey, and I was on the phone with uh, Kate, uh, one of our admin uh, uh, team on Sailing Club. And I said, oh, Red Seas is talking. Let's, let's, uh, let's see if they'll jump in a room. And within a minute, we were, in a, we were in a clubhouse room, a private room, talking about what was going on. And, and they were saying, we're already planning on going. We have boxes we need to check, but we think we're probably going May 3rd. This is unbelievable because it's literally the first person I'm, um, I'm looking at. And they, this is a, a cruising couple on a sailboat ready to go. And they're like, well, we've got like a 45 foot cat. We've got plenty of room. They have a YouTube channel. It's a, it's a small growing channel. You know, they said to me, like, listen, we didn't start this lifestyle to, to be YouTubers. Our whole point is to go and help people in situations like this. You know, and I was just thinking about Nancy saying, hey, just start, start doing things and see what happens. So we've been working together uh, for the last, you know, week and a half on logistics and, and uh, media stuff and fundraising. They've just been a huge part of our program here. In a separate conversation, they said, uh, you know, you mentioned December 23rd a couple of times. And I said, yeah, I said, that's when I joined Clubhouse. That's when I committed to Watts on Water. That's when I was told I'm not getting what I want with the fire department. And they said, well, something else happened on December 23rd. And I said, well, what was that? And he goes, well, we, we bought this boat. You're just smiling through the app. You're just smiling. And I said to him, I said, I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm really excited about it because everything has, is lined up. You know, we had some clubhouse rooms about it where I kind of announced that because I hadn't really talked much about, you know, Watts on Water and people started stepping up and making connections that we're, we're developing right now with some really influential people in, in sailing to spread the word. You know, we're still in a fundraising mode. Uh, we're, we're st- we have to raise uh, a total of $25,000 to fund the lights and the mission. And we're hoping to do that in the next week or so, so that we can get there. Uh, obviously the sooner we get there, the better, because these lights, uh, you know, they're gonna help people immediately. The big thing about, you know, the, the, the synergy between Watts of Love and what we're doing is that the, the goal is to get the light into the, the hands of the people that, that need it. Nothing end, ends up in a distribution center. You know, sailors on the ground giving this light, and, and it's a tool. It's not, a, not a gift so much, although it is. It's a tool for living. So it's been, it's been a really interesting, you know, year and a half. It's it just it just makes me smile. I mean, it's it's not great that it's happening in the middle of a disaster, but people are coming together, and it and it's all because of um, how Clubhouse evolved into into our lives. It's interesting because it it sounds like the the turmoil of your job and of COVID, and now this natural disaster have all been turning points and spurred you on to to very positive action you've taken it and just made the best situation how do people get involved in supporting that work the watts on water work and particularly the saint vincent relief 
if they're hearing this and say, oh, that's something I want to help out with? If you just go to wattsonwater.org, that will get you to the homepage of Watts of Love. And uh, our mission is right on the homepage. You click donate, you can sponsor a light. And these lights, like I said, that they're, they're really robust and last for 10 years. So each person that, that sponsors a light, it's $50. It covers everything and it lasts. And so that's the, for me, that's the thing that, uh, you know, is really powerful too about uh, giving to an organization like this is that you actually end up, it's very tangible, you know, what you're giving. And in the past, when I've done missions, I mentioned to Guatemala and, and Nepal, the people who sponsored the lights, they saw the people who, who received the lights in pictures. It's, it's very, very connected. It's not, you know, you give whatever dollars a month and it's gonna help somebody. No, you, you see the people and you see the smile on their face when they realize what's happening. You have launched a couple of really exciting things during this tumultuous year. So I wish you all the best in continuing to grow those communities and grow the organization. And I just wanna thank you for coming on and telling us about it and telling us about your journey over this past year. Well, I appreciate it. I, I, it's been great to get to know you over the last year as well. And uh, I have to take a pause every once in a while and really just reflect on, um, you know, the opportunities that come as a result of adversity and, and uh, just hugely grateful for the opportunity to come and share what's been going on. And like I said, if anybody wants to be part of Clubhouse and join that incredible conversation, uh, absolutely connect with me. We'll make that happen. And uh, I can't thank you enough, Ben. Thanks, Brooks. You're welcome. That wraps up this week's episode. If you're interested in joining the sailing group on Clubhouse, you can reach Brooks at admin at sailingclubhouse.com. And you can donate to the St. Vincent Watts on Water Project or get involved by visiting Watts of Love. That's Watts, W-A-T-T-S of love.org. You can reach me at outthegatesailing at gmail.com. I'm Ben Shaw, host and producer of the show. Until next time, smooth sailing.